This is Pocket Watching with JT, the call-in financial talk show focused on helping you get your money right. Jason Thornton is a certified financial planner licensed in both tax and investments. Now, this is not personal financial advice. This is JT's real reaction to all your money and business questions. Are you deep in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, and looking for a way out? Call Pocket Watching with JT, the financial advisor for the people. Need more? Book your personal consultation with my man JT at pocketwatcher.net. Now, let's go pocket watching. Hey, pocket watchers. Welcome to Pocket Watching with JT. And it is Friday night. What we do on Friday nights, we have JT help me get out of debt. Yes, that's what we're doing on Friday nights. JT helped me get out of debt. I'm giving you the opportunity to have a personal relationship with a certified financial planner, your friend on YouTube. You can call me up at this number right here, 515-602-9778. You can give me a call. You can let me know what type of debt situation that you are in. And your brother, your friend, your pocket watcher will help you figure out a way to get yourself out of debt. What steps should you take to get from wherever you currently are with your debt and how to get out from underneath it? But I have to say, hi, what's going on to the 55,000 pocket watches? Man, we keep growing and I appreciate it. Thank you for you know continuing to support my content. Thank you. I get a lot of uh, great feedback about the new format of the show, the call-in number, all this stuff. And I just want to say thank you. The show would not grow if it wasn't for you guys out there. And I appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Continue to support your brother. Hit the like button as you make your way in. Uh, Make sure that you share this content. And of course, of course, of course, subscribe. Subscribe if you are not subscribed yet. Okay. That's what I need you to do. So here we go. It is Friday. You can go ahead and start calling because I'm not going to be here all night long. You're probably going to get a good one hour and 45 minutes at best. One hour and 45 minutes probably at best. I'm not going to be here all night long. But I do want to share a. a new report that just kind of hit YouTube. I want to say, man, maybe a couple of hours ago. It's not. It's not a very uh, old video at all. It was published today, but it talks about Americans are taking on a record amount of debt in 2022. So let's let's take a look at this as you start to call this number, right? As you make your way in and you call this number, uh, let's take a look at this and see what is going on. So here we go. Make it a little bigger here. All right. Let's see what's going on. It says Americans are taking on record debt in 2022. Hold on. I got to give a shout out. I got to give a shout out to my brother, my frat brother from the same chapter of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. My brother, Jason Moore with the $20 Super Chat says, keep doing your thing, frat. I'm at the uh, jump park with the kiddos. Hey, says, just wanted to show love. Go mob. Absolutely, my brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Go mobbed from the bottom of my heart. 
right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Let's see what this report is all about. This is brand new, people. It came out today. Dealing with the fastest pace of inflation in more than 40 years, Americans are borrowing money. A lot of money. According to the latest numbers from the Federal Reserve, Americans in February increased their borrowing by a record $42 billion. Whoa. We've also seen major increases in debt noted by the big banks in their latest earnings reports. I want to talk to you about what this increase in Americans' debt means, why it's happening now, and what it could mean in the future as lending gets more expensive. Let's get into it. During the pandemic, Americans paid down debt and increased savings at a historic pace, but that trend is reversing. The Fed's latest report showed that in February, consumers took on almost five times as much credit as they had the month before, and more than double what economists had predicted. JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and other banks have also reported significant jumps in consumer borrowing, and credit card spending rose by at least 20% in the first quarter. How? How are, how are y'all spending so much money on credit cards? I don't, I don't get it. Everybody is hiring. You, I don't care where you go, you will find a help wanted sign. Why are so many people spending money on credit cards? I do not get it. At each of the big four banks. This suggests Americans have spent a chunk of the money they put away following the coronavirus lockdowns of 2020 and maybe borrowing to keep up. Americans saved a record 34% of their disposable income in April 2020. And they That's put good. away $2.7 trillion in excess savings. That is all of this is good. That's that, that's what you should be doing, not just in a pandemic, but you should be saving your money. All of this seems good. Between then and the start of 2022, according to a report from ratings agency Moody's. But in February, the personal savings rate dropped to 6.3%, which is lower than the 10 year average before the pandemic. Unlike at this time last year, in 2022, there hasn't been a big government stimulus to infuse cash into consumers' pockets. The rise in borrowing seems to coincide with the rise in inflation to the highest level in 40 years. People often talk about inflation being a drag on spending because higher prices push consumers to slow down and rethink their budgets. But inflation also drives up spending as consumers front load their purchases, expecting that prices will keep going up. And it's not just the fun stuff that's gotten more expensive. Earnings reports showed some credit card spending is going towards vacations and nice dinners. But a lot can be attributed to higher prices for big ticket items like cars and everyday expenses like rent and gas. Rent prices rose 30% from a year ago in yeah. February. And used cars and trucks were 41% more expensive than they were last year. Even though worker pay has risen at a historically high rate of 5.6%, that's well below the rate of inflation. So the average worker is actually seeing inflation-adjusted wages of negative 2.7%. Mm. This is all happening as the Federal Reserve starts to raise U.S. interest rates, which will make credit more expensive. The right. expectation for rate hikes has already pushed Treasury rates higher. And in turn, mortgage rates and corporate borrowing rates have increased significantly. Other forms of credit, like credit cards and personal loans, are tied to the prime rate, which moves along with the federal funds rate. The Fed funds rate has only been raised once this year and still sits at less than half of 1%. But that's likely to change quickly. The Fed is expected to raise the funds rate multiple times before the end of summer. That'll make it cost significantly more to take on a loan. The Fed raises rates to get individuals and businesses to pull back on borrowing in order to slow down spending. 
The goal being that it reigns in rising prices, but it can also put households and businesses into untenable positions, causing waves of job losses and defaults. Now, all this borrowing could just be a sign of economic growth, as consumers want to take advantage of opportunities that pandemic lockdowns and COVID worries have blocked off. But it could be a sign that without the government pumping more money into their bank accounts, consumers are in trouble. All right. All right. I mean, he's, he's basically saying if the government does not give out another stimulus payment, a lot of people are going to be spending money on credit. They're going to get deeper and deeper in debt. Debt is the one thing that can, can just destroy a person's wealth building strategy. For the most part, it's, it's, it's a drug that you think is going to help you in the short term, but it absolutely destroys you in the long term. So people, oh my God. All right. All right. So that's, that's, that's the way the numbers are looking. We got some people in the back. So give me a second here while I set up the phone lines. We got people in the back. So give me one second here as we move towards, let's see. All right. So if you are if you are on the line, just prepare yourself. Make sure that you put your uh, device that you're listening to me on. Make sure you put that device on mute because you can hear me through the phone line. All right. So put the device on mute so that you can hear me clearly. So I'm going to pull up caller from the 614 area code. Caller from 614. I'm going to pull you up first and then call her from 215. You are coming up next. So here we go. JT Pocket Watcher, what's good, big dog? <laughs> what's going on? Is this Mark? Who's this? This is TJ. T what's going on, TJ? What's going on? Hey, as a, as a black man, uh, uh, that's uh, as somebody that's black and you expose these charlatans that use our blackness against us, man. I really want to thank you. Thank you so much for that. First and foremost, my friends fall into all these traps and I'll be like, yo, stop. Just watch JT. Actually, when <laughs> Black History Month came up, I sent them your videos. <laughs> anyway. Alright, so my uh, my name is TJ. What's uh, going on, TJ? Melissa. Mm -hmm. We have, I have about $33,000 in student loan debt. Okay. She has about, she has about $22,000 in student loan debt. Now combined monthly income, we, we make about $5,800. She makes around 32, I make around 26. And our monthly expenses is about $2,873. That leaves about $2,927 left for us to spend now my question to you jt mm -hmm. is that oh i forgot to say this uh for my initial fluctuate for my um what am i trying to say uh what is it? my vanguard retirement accounts right I have about uh, 11 grand in one about 600 or 6200 in another which comes up to about nineteen thousand. it can fluctuate uh either or i got you a little off right there no 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 okay and then um so for for monthly or, or for what savings I have, I have about, uh, because my car just broke down, I only have like 2,600 now. 
My girlfriend has about 1500. So altogether that makes around like, uh, like 411, something like that. Okay. Uh, or four, or 41,000, 40, 40, 4,100. Sorry about that, JT. Um, no, you good. Anyway, now, while I'm talking about getting out of debt, I'm actually really here to ask you, would it be a good idea instead of renting my apartment now for 1,200? Because me and my girl combined, we make around $14,000 in, in our first week of working. Would it be better for us to buy a house next year and get into more debt? Or what do you think would be best? Because this is the situation we've been trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. So you get you got a lot of moving pieces here, but it's but it's good. Okay. So okay. we've got some student loan debt, but the student loan debt, the interest rates probably is not ridiculous. Do you know what the interest rates are on the student loan debt? So on average, mines are around four percent. On mm -hmm. average, hers is around four percent. You know how they got like a bunch of yeah. student loan debts that have different interest rates, blah blah blah. So okay. around four percent, probably a little bit less. Okay. And are you actively paying on it, or are you you waiting till August because they pushed it back till August? <laughs> JT, come on, man, you don't wait till August, big dog. But I have been paying a little bit though. You've been, been paying a little bit, bit. okay? All right, and, yeah. and is that the only debt? Do we have credit card debt? Is there some other type of debt that you have, or is it just student loans? I have zero debt beyond that. I have no consumer debt. My girlfriend has a, she don't have none either. She just paid everything off. The most we maybe have is maybe um, like a, a, a parking ticket or a hospital bill that's like a hundred dollars. But okay. other than that, we do not have any consumer debt. We only have our student loan debt. She has a leased car, which is about two hundred sixty something dollars a month. But other than that, we don't really have any obligations that we have to uphold besides our monthly rent and blah 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 blah. blah. You know? Okay. All right, and you have a student loan of around thirty three thousand. When you graduated, what what is the mm -hmm. annual income of the position that you were able to get based on this college degree that you got? Uh, forty eight grand. Um, hopefully it'll be a little bit higher next year. Okay, uh, but that's um, all they could legally give me. So okay, all right, and and are you a recent grad? When did you graduate? I graduated in 20, uh, 2018, but the issue is I didn't go directly into the field I'm in because I graduated with a finance degree. I didn't go directly into that field. Okay. I tried uh, some real estate for a second. And, gotcha. Uh, it was cool. I moved out of it. My girlfriend, she makes like average 50 grand or 55 grand, but okay. last year she made around like $63,000 because of overtime. So. That can fluctuate year to year for her. For me, it stays the same. Even so, so you you don't have any opportunity for overtime. You don't have any opportunity to to get anything more out of it. Out of this particular job, no, that is hard for me to do. But like I okay. said, I'm getting a new. I'm going to get a new job like here in September. But that's just speculation. I'm trying to. I got you. What I have now. I got you. Okay, so all right. There's a couple of things here. All right. So obviously your biggest debt and really for you, your only debt is the student loan, right? The student loan right. isn't, you know, you talk about 4%, you know, 4% right. isn't, is not horrible, 
right? 4% is decent okay. compared to consumer debt that can be, you know, 20% plus or something like that. So you're not, you're not in a horrible position. You, you did a great job saving up for retirement. I mean, you're, you're at like $19,000 that you have saved up for well, retirement. It could have been more, it been more if, if the coronavirus, if the, like, like COVID, like messed my career up. If I'm being honest, but mm -hmm. that's me either or whatever. All right. And then I mean, obviously, so, you recently had an issue with your car. They kind of knocked down your emergency savings fund. And right now you're sitting at around 2600 for yourself, about 4100 between you and your lady, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, All right. So, and I know you you're 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 thinking about, you know, in the future, not right now, because you know, the, the housing market is ridiculous, but you're thinking about possibly converting from you know being a renter into owning a home right ever since i watched your ever since i watched your grant card own video <laughs> i said man i graduated with a finance degree but i don't know a damn thing about the actual rules i didn't know if i could use my 401k to get a, a, a be a first-time home buyer and not have it penalized man when i found yeah. out i'm like man i gotta I got to talk to Jason, but yeah. Yeah, so you you can pull out up to $10,000 from your uh, 401k as part of your uh, down payment on a home, and you can avoid the penalty, that 10% penalty for taking the money out early, not being, you know, 59 and a half years old. So you can always pull that out for that. But all right, so the question I've got for you is you've got this 2,900-ish, right? At the end of the month, you got about $2,900 to the good. What are you currently doing right. with that twenty nine hundred? Because that twenty nine hundred is more than your emergency savings fund just on your end. What are you doing with it? Right. So, so like I said, she makes a lot more money than me. So <laughs> most of that's her. It's all her. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll be a, I'll be a friend. Nah, you good. What am I doing with it? Uh -huh. So um, I do enjoy life. So I try to go out, you know, every weekend or I'll save some. Of course, I save some or I'll just pay one of my student loans. I'll pay my student loan off, depending on how I feel. Recently, I just put a lot of money into actually um, uh, some things I had to take care of legally. OK, it was really good for me. And that should further my career as well. So, OK, while it does, I, I save it. But I save it if I'm being frank. I always save it if right. nothing comes up. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, it, it, here, here's what I would suggest to do. This is the order in which I think you should do things, okay? You need to get this okay. emergency okay. savings fund built up again. I understand that, you know, you had the car issue, but you need to get it built up again. And you need to have at least three to four months of your emergency savings fund built up before you do anything else. Because once again, if you Wait, do not between, okay. Yeah. Between you, between you and your girl, I mean, cause right now you're one household, right? Right. I mean, I split, I, I'm assuming you're splitting the bills down the middle. Uh, more or less. She does a little bit more than me. Right. Go buy income. Right. So if we're, you know, if we're lumping everything together, then you need, Probably more around, you know, between three, four, maybe five would be a good mark, especially if we're headed towards a recession. You probably want to have around four to five months of your emergency savings fund saved up. You need to get that. That's going to be the number one thing. I would actually say that's a higher priority than paying down your student okay. loan right now, because who cares if you're paying down the student loan and then you end up 
having to do a payday loan or having to use a credit card to make up for an emergency that pops up. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So that's, okay. um, that's and, number and one. Just talking about, and, and just to be clear, mm -hmm. you're talking about, so I have to save like a month of five months of rent. That's not including me and her savings. Correct. No, no, I'm saying it together. Cause that's, that's, I mean, I got oh, okay. one, one household, right? I mean, you said you're splitting the bills down the middle. Yeah. Only difference is she's making a little bit more. So if that's the case, then you right. want three to five together lumped in all the bill money that you have. You said that your, your monthly gotcha. bills is somewhere around, you know, under $3,000, then you need to have right. about, you know, four to five months of that $3,000 saved up. That way, if something pops off, you're going to be fine. You're not going to have to do a payday loan. You're not going to have to dip into credit cards. That's what you're going to want to do. Okay. All right. So that, that's the first, that's the first thing that I would say to do. The second thing that I would honestly do, you need to pick off those little pet, petty uh, debts, the little stuff that you were talking about, the things that are like $100 or something like that. Go ahead and just get that cleared up because there's no reason to have that hanging over your head. Okay. Especially in the sense where, you know, the, the student loan is deferred. It's not like you're missing payments or anything on that. Uh, let's go ahead and get the ones that can put you in the default because those medical bills and stuff like that can bite you in the end as far as your credit uh, score and stuff like that. So I would say after the emergency savings fund is done, then you take that money that you were normally using each month to get that emergency savings fund up to go ahead and pay off those petty little bills that are just hanging around. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So now, all right. So now we're going to take a look at, okay, we got this $19,000. Okay. And we're looking at $33,000 worth of debt. Now, if within the next six to 18 months, we're in a position where it makes sense for you to transition from being a renter to a homeowner and obviously, that's going to be a decision that you, your lady, and the economy is going to come together and figure out, does that make the most sense for you right now, right? A great deal is a great deal. If you get a great deal on a home that makes sense for you, then yeah, I would say go ahead and move forward. But if it's not a great deal, if it's not something that just like even an idiot would say, yes, go ahead and buy this house. I wouldn't say to jump into home ownership until you get a little bit more wiggle room out of this budget. I don't feel comfortable with the amount of money that you have left over each month. I give you credit because it's at a positive. A lot of people are at a negative at the end of each month. But I would say right now you're making around 48. You know, I think there's some there's some very, you know, interesting moves and things that you can do within your career to get that more like 65. And I'm talking about within the next 24 okay. months, if you're in, you're in finance, right? Correct. Yeah. In, in, in the Midwest, right? Yes. Midwest broke boys. Yeah. All right. I mean, you can, you can get that up to 65 if you make the right moves. And at $65,000 on your end. JT, they not hiring me because I'm black. <laughs> Dr. Umar said so, dude. Don't you know this? Listen, it can be done. It can absolutely be done. It just depends on if you want to be on the... Can I tell you something, though? Go ahead, go ahead. I'll tell you something. 
some chicks I'm talking to, listen, I am trying my damnedest to uh-huh. get really good jobs. Trust me, I, I'm very. Ambitious. I believe you. Yeah. My girl, man, she she works fucking hard. She's a beast. Yeah. And I think we're gonna be good. Like, mm-hmm. if you say five years from now, I think we're gonna have a good amount of making money. But mm-hmm. I. But yeah, um, go ahead. What what after no. after deciding what what is a good housing look like? What do you mean? What when is it going to look good? What should I? What should I? Should I just get to sixty five first before I buy something? Man, I mean, honestly, you you want to kind of keep your eye open because if something comes on the market that makes sense and you have the ability to go get it, then you want to go get it. My only issue is okay. at where you are right now. And this is really grind time. I know home home ownership is one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle to building wealth in America. That is absolutely true. But what you're not adding in is all the other expenses that come along with home ownership besides the mortgage. There's so many other things when you talk about the taxes, the insurance, the the petty little repairs and all these other things that you're going to have to deal with. I don't feel as if you have enough wiggle room with the budget that you currently have to get the home that you really want. If you want to get the home that you really want, I think you need to grind for another two to three years. Just grind it out for another two to three years. As long as your rent is manageable and you're not paying a ridiculous amount of rent. Honestly, I would put it off another two to three years. If you get this uh, student loan debt, down to $15,000 or less, which I know you can within the next 24 months, and you get your 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 income up from around 48 to more like 65, now you'll have enough breathing room to get done what you need to get done. But honestly, unless you get a great deal, and honestly, a great deal, you need to holler at Orlando, go to Orlando Miners page, Look at a lot of his okay. videos. He is going to give you all the info you need to know about what is a good deal and what is a bad deal. It's going to give you the frame of reference that you need. But honestly, I would wait man, anywhere between two to three years and and grind any overtime. I mean, obviously, you can't do overtime, but any side hustle stuff like that you could do. Job? Second. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. It's like, do you have kids? That's another question that I should have asked. Do you have kids? I don't have kids. I have no kids. I have a dog, but I like working out and shit, man. I like keeping my body and shit. Listen, listen. If you like working out, you need to get 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 a part time job at a gym. I'm sure Planet Fitness is hiring. I'm sure. I'm sure L A Fitness is hiring. I'm sure all these gyms are hiring. If you like fitness, then you need to get a second job at a gym because honestly, if you don't have kids. You should be absolutely grinding, getting out here and earning the money that you need to earn to make up this difference. Between 24 and 36 months, you can be in a totally different financial uh, situation where you can go ahead and buy that starter home that you really want in a neighborhood where you don't have to suit up in uh, uh, bulletproof gear, right? That That's what you could do if... You grind. You got to grind. You don't have any kids. You don't have to worry about babysitters and all that stuff. It's time to just you know talk to your lady. Let her know, listen, it's grind time. The next 24 to 36 months, it's about building up savings, paying down debt, and preparing ourselves for home ownership. All right? That's what I, I think you should do, okay? Yeah, man, JT, thank you for so much. All right. Thank you for calling in, bro. I appreciate it. 
All right, we got a uh, caller 215, area code 215. After that, it is area code 470. Area code 215, you are coming up. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Can you hear me? Yes, you are live with Pocket Watching with JT. How you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm not another day. Yeah, JT, I, I, I watch your show every time. Um, I'm not necessarily, well, need, I don't necessarily need any financial advice. I'm just calling to defend out nine to five people. Okay, go ahead. I call myself a hood success story, right? Do it. At 22, I started a city job, and the old heads told me to put your money in the pension plan, invest in a pension plan, and do all this. I mm. listened to them. I was putting a dollar, two dollars at a time. I was able to retire at 55 mm. with a nice pension. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I raised three kids. Um, never went to college. Like I said, I raised two kids. My kids had the best health care. They right. all had braces. You know what I mean? Right now, I own houses, but I sold them because I never understood. Why would I keep keep collecting $800 a month if somebody offered me six sixty thousand dollars well, 70000 because I live in the hood. You right. live in the hood. Right. It'll take me <laughs> 10 years to get the 60000 Right, right, right. You wanted you wanted you wanted the capital that, gains right now rather than the slow cash flow every month, which makes which the makes sense. And I took yeah. that money, and I took that money, mm -hmm. and I maxed out my four fifty seven. Okay. Another thing about my job, mm -hmm. they gave me twenty five percent on the dollar up to a thousand dollars. So you was already winning. Yeah. You was already winning. So I'm telling my son, go get a sit hell McDonald's. <laughs> Gotta find yourself another city job, a pension job, yeah. and sit down in there all day long. Your dad retired at fifty-five. Mm -hmm. Your dad got seven thousand dollars dropping every month, having touched mm. his four fifty-seven, living mm. comfortable. Listen to him, people. So these people talk about nine to five jobs are just crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, I it's about opening up a business. We don't we, we don't do that but, over here with pocket watching with JT. Listen, government <laughs> jobs. Good jobs can take a person from poverty to solidly yes. in the middle class and basically wealthy, yes. right? But I think I think we got to really reshape this culture that makes it sound as if if you got a nine to five job, then you broke. Or if you got a nine to five job, you then you lame. That's not, I mean, you people- for your college. People are ridiculous. People are ridiculous. They're I mean, for your college. There's, there's people. For your college. There are people who call themselves self-employed, but they live under the poverty line. So I don't care yes. what title that you give yourself. You don't have anything paid into Social Security. Listen, I see this stuff right. every day, people. I see it every day. The, 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 the hustler, the guy who's been selling socks and incense and, and doing every little thing that you think that, you know, a, a self-employed yeah. hustler needs to do to get by. He's 50-something years old, has nothing paid into Social Security because he always been making money right. under the radar. And now he's, welcome to Walmart, uh, the socks are over on aisle five. Yeah. He's doing that at, at like 60-something years old. He's got to stand on his feet eight hours a day. You can do both. You can hustle mm. and have a regular job with a pension and max that thing out. Yeah. So when you turn 55, you can sit down. Yeah. You can sit down, you can relax, you can buy yourself some property, you can do this. But um, I, what I want you, because I have a son, mm -hmm. right? I, what I keep explaining to my son is um, maintaining. Like you mentioned something earlier, 
Like, son, if you get a million dollars, right? If you buy an $800,000 house, do you think that's it? No, you have to maintain it. it. What are you willing to do to maintain your lifestyle? You see these people on YouTube acting a fool? I showed them somebody. He said, this man, you know why he acting a fool? He said his 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 mortgage, his his household payments is $50,000 a month, son. And all, I don't know what else he does, but he's on YouTube acting a fool. He got because to. Because he has to maintain that lifestyle. He's got to make my, my father told me a story a long time ago. He said that him and his father, my grandfather, was driving in the very expensive part of town. And he said that, you know, as, right. a, as a little boy, he pointed at a house, basically a mansion, right? My father pointed at right. a house. He said, wouldn't it be nice if we could live there, right? And he said that uh-huh. my grandfather uh-huh. looked at him and said, son, I wouldn't take that house if they gave it to me. Because I wouldn't right. be able to keep it up. Do you have any idea? Yeah. Even if even if they gave me that house, the house would be right. gone in right. eight to twelve months because I wouldn't be able to keep up with the taxes. I wouldn't be able to keep up with the utility bills. If they gave me that house, it would be a curse. Yes. I never Just forgot like, that. I, lesson. I looked at the program of remodeling when they remodel people's houses. Mm-hmm. The people couldn't maintain them because their taxes went up. <laughs> right. They had to sell those houses. They don't tell you, they don't <laughs> tell you what happens after after the home improvement, right. the, to, the total home makeover. They don't tell you that, oh, we right. did this for this family. Great. Good. What happened two, three years <laughs> later? They ended up selling and leaving because right. they couldn't maintain the home. Because maintain it. Yeah. Right. And that's what I tell myself. What are you willing to do to maintain this lifestyle? Mm. Big baller shit. I tell you now, if I if, if I get if I if I get on YouTube and I make a million dollars and I buy a million dollar house, I'm gonna act a fool because I'm gonna love that luxury. Right. You get you you get cars. used to it. To watch it. <laughs> yes. I can't go back there now. I can't I can't. I'm gonna act a damn fool. Mm. <laughs> I'll be I'll be in my drawers running around town with a Whatever you whatever you got to do to get views because the rent is due next month, the mortgage is due next month. You gotta make that payment. So it don't matter what it is, they will do whatever it takes to get views because now, like a drug, right, it's in their system. They gotta get they fix every month. Yeah, right. And I wonder about I wonder about how these people pay taxes. I know they don't know nothing about taxes (laughs) because they look crazy on the internet. They paying taxes on this money? I said, no, I'm quite sure they're not. Right. Like, like, the, like y'all talking about the girl Black China uh-huh. and her tax situation. Right. I said, yeah, okay. It makes sense now. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I, I love your show, brother. Hey, and I'm going to get a financial advisor. Like get I said, one. I have money. I have money dropping every month. Do it. I got money. I got money in my in the Roth that I don't touch. But I need to do, I want to do something with it. Listen. I don't want a business because I don't want to do shit. I really don't. I, on my other channel, <laughs> I interview just brilliant, smart, great black certified financial planners from all over the country. Right. I'm telling you, there is a genius, brilliant black certified financial advisor within somewhere, you know, radius of your zip code. Go check them out. So sit do down. I, have a... do I, why am I so comfortable, though? Why do I feel like I have to do something? I got well, money dropping every month. The re- I got money in, my, in the wrong. The reason why. The I just way, feel like I have to do something. I don't know why. You're looking yeah. at it because you're looking at opportunity costs, and you want to make sure you're maximizing your opportunity because you never had you never had it right. like this before, and you just want to make right. sure right. you're not right. leaving any right. money on the table, and you want to make sure that you're leaving a legacy 
for those next generations. Yeah. Right. But I, what I said to myself was, I'll leave enough insurance mm-hmm. where they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll get enough in insurance where they'll be fine. And I'll be like, because I don't want to. I don't want to open up a business because I don't want to do shit. No, 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 no. Don't open up a business unless unless it's your passion. I don't need to. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing no, about that. Ins- here's the thing about that insurance money. I'm I'm about to wrap it up. But here's the thing about that insurance money. Yeah, they can get the insurance money, but what are they going to do with it? Will they keep it right. longer than right. three to four years? Now, if you get a trust and you give it out to them little by little, and you give them instructions on what they have to do to maintain these payments within the trust, now you're you're forcing them to manage, yeah, you're forcing them to manage the money correctly. And you can even put a clause in the trust and say, hey, if you fumble the bag, if you don't want to do it, it's okay. It goes to the grandbabies. You cut off. It goes to the grandbabies. There you go. That way, even if they act up. I came to defend... (laughs) <laughs> I come. I came to defend our hood thousandaires. It's a. It's a lot of us out here. Absolutely. Bro. There's a lot of hood thousandaires out here. We under the radar. We like it that way. Right. You know yeah. What I mean? y- we drive a little cars. Classic. Like here there. The millionaires <laughs> next door. That's what y'all are. You yes. you guys are the millionaires next door. You don't pull yes. up in Lambos and all that ridiculous stuff. Yes. You work the job with dignity and professionalism. And you got great benefits, man. Great you job. Got a Ford Expedition. That's my only car. I'm pulling up in a nice ass house. That's it. I don't need nothing else. Great job, man. I appreciate it. Great job, man. You welcome uh, back anytime. I, I, I love your show, bro. I'm gonna continue watching. This is the first time I ever called into a show. Thank you, I man. I appreciate right. it. Thank you. Thanks. All right. So uh, we got we got caller four seven zero. Caller from four seven zero. After that, we got caller from three one zero. So four seven zero. You are up. Next, here we go. You are live with Pocket Hello. Watching with JT. How you doing? Yeah, it's me, the real Southern Belle in here. Oh, oh, it's okay, the real. So okay, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> let me pull. Let me pull out one of your. Let me pull out one of your mini. Your mini posts here. Just let them know who we talking to. <laughs> I've been going in. Go ahead. So I, so I, I'm a loan officer, right? I do mortgage lending, mm-hmm. but I also work in healthcare. I, I work in pharmacy, and that's really my career right there. Mm-hmm. But I really, to be honest, I see it every day when I'm doing these loans with these people because you know I look at their finances, I'm looking at their credit, right. I'm looking at how much money these people are making, mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to these um, self-employed people. These people write off like so much. At the end of at the end of it, it's like they make like twenty thousand dollars a year. Yes, absolutely. I spoke with someone yesterday. Yesterday I spoke with a man, and he, you know, he basically he is self-employed. He brings in over two hundred thousand dollars in gross revenue, but whoever he had preparing his tax returns in the past, it made him look like he only made around thirty one thousand dollars and he was coming to me trying to ask me why can't i buy the house i want to buy that's why you can't buy the house you want to buy <laughs> that's why he said but i make i make like a quarter of a million dollars it doesn't reflect that on your tax return please explain why all of these self-employed people are having problems getting a loan from your perspective why can't they get loans 
Because they still, a lot of people are self-employed, but they don't want to actually pay taxes. Mm-hmm. I think, to be honest, if you're going to be self-employed, then pay the taxes right. You know, if you want to do it, I'd rather pay my taxes quarterly than yep. paying it at the end of the year altogether. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you're trying to buy a house, because we don't care about your gross pay when it comes to self-employed. None of we look at your pay after you write everything off. Now, mm-hmm. if you are a W-2 employee, the only thing we're looking at is 30-day check stuff. That's it. Big difference. Big so, difference. Yeah. Right. So to me, to me, to be honest, it's kind of better to be W-2. That's why I am W-2 because as a loan officer, I'm commissioned. So mm. I'm not even on uh, salary. So I'm completely so you commissioned. Still, but I you, still, yeah, you, you still have hospital. the ability to hustle and earn money, but you still got that W-2. You're playing both sides of the fence and you're, you're making the most out of doing it. Now, when it comes to these self-employed people who come to you and they want to get alone don't they need not one year but two years worth of their tax returns because they can't just have one great year right normally they need to have two years and you average both of them is that right typically so it really just depends because you know they have creative lending Mm. so with the creative lending we can look at one year tax returns and um they can do it we can we can approve that way, but they're going to have to be paying like 10, 20% down on the house. Ooh, and they don't okay. have that. No, of course not. Of and course not. Score, and their credit scores need to be like a good 680 or 700 in order for us to even run it that way. But okay. traditionally, you know, you need two years of tax returns. Mm-hmm. And we look at line 31 on the tax returns when we qualify the income. So they line, you know, when they do their schedule, schedule, schedule C. C, the line mm-hmm. 31. Right, the, which yeah, is going to represent the net, at. the net income from the business, not the gross. The gross is up top. Right. The net is after all your expenses. When we talk about depreciation, we're talking about all of your cost of goods sold, all of that stuff. When you get down to the bottom, that's the number that they're looking at. And if that number goes from two hundred fifty thousand dollars down to twenty eight thousand dollars, you stuck with the twenty eight. And, and that's true. And then it's a lot of people just don't know how to manage money now. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I see, when I be just, because you can tell a lot about a person when you look at their credit. Right. Like, just being honest. With these type of people, they may make, I got a client now made $200,000 in ten ninety nine, But her line 31 is only adding up to $59,000. I look at her credit. She got a twelve. She got a $1,200 car note. And she has some kind of time share, some... Like just a whole bunch of stuff. So I was, I was honestly, I was going through her credit. I was like, "What is this twelve hundred dollar car note? What kind of car is this?" Right. She's like, "Oh, I got a Porsche. I'm about to buy a Maserati." But you're trying to buy a house. Why? Why do we do this like, stuff? This- why? Why do? Why do we? She has a Porsche, but she's got the plans to now buy a Maserati, but she doesn't own where she lives. A home. Unless she's living in the car, it does not make sense. And you said her number went down to like fifty something thousand dollars. I'm pretty sure the Maserati is more than what her annual income is showing on her tax return. Right after after the deductions, right? So um, I um. So basically, I don't understand it, to be honest, because I would think, Mm -hmm. but I think it's more so it's just being really kind of hard for her to get approved for a home loan because of how her income is with their 1099 and them writing off so much income. And if you're making, 
if we look at line 31 and it's 59,000 divided by 12. Right. And you got a $1,200 car note, plus you have student loan payments, plus you have things in collection. Her debt to income ratio is ridiculous now. It's out of it's out of the park, yeah. but um, you know we can't you know do some things. If she fixes it, it can you know it can be brought down because if you say that you make two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So if you're making two hundred thousand, you shouldn't even, to be honest. You shouldn't even have nothing in collections because if you're making two hundred thousand, you're making about what nineteen a year, nineteen a month. If you're if and you're making that type of money, you should be taking care of all of your little petty debt obligations. But the problem is. Right. She is so focused on looking rich by driving the Porsche, trying to get the Maserati. I'm sure she's dressed from head to toe, hair did, makeup did, shoes, all of that. She's dropping the ball on the stuff that she really needs to be paying off to actually build wealth. Everything that she's buying are personal use, depreciating assets Mm -hmm. the one thing that she really has a mind for buying that would be appreciating would be the home but because of all this other toys and that's what that's what it boils down to it's toys people like to buy toys to impress their friends and all of these toys and i'm sure when she pulled up in the porsche or whatever she got the response that she wanted but the problem is when she comes to you she's not getting the response that she wants I'd rather get the response right, that I so, want out of you than the response out of my friends when I pull up in the Porsche. Right, and that's what a lot of people fail to realize. But with her, with her, because she is a, a fellow healthcare worker, so mm-hmm. she does have W two. Thank God. So okay. we use her W two income, but the W two in- income is not like the ten ninety nine. It's like half of that. Got you. Okay. But um, I guess what I really want to say is. You know, when it, I think when it comes down to it, and I kind of think, you know, once we reach certain um, goals in our life, like you graduate, maybe you get your doctorate mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you you feel like, okay, I did it. I do want to buy me a little something. You, you want to reward to yourself. Feel good. Yeah. Right. But I, me personally, after being in this in this business, um, just for a few months, I've literally just started with financing. Mm-hmm. But being in it has just taught me so much myself. And I'm just like, it's really not worth it at the end of the day because, like you said, those cars and stuff are depreciating assets. Yeah. And when you go to buy something like a house that essentially has a history of appreciating, mm-hmm. and we see now from the past two years, the homeowners who bought two years ago are making out like fat wrecks. Oh, Lord. They think, are. They- think about the people who bought during the recession. I have clients who were able to buy homes for under $30,000 who just recently sold those homes for $150,000, $160,000, $170,000. They only had to hold on to the home and they were getting rental income off the home for the past, what, eight, eight, 10 years. And they made a huge bag off of that. Huge. Right. And I I um I um got a client, he actually bought two years ago, like right before COVID hit. He bought mm-hmm. a new build for like four hundred and forty thousand uh-huh. dollars and it's worth seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars now. So he has <sighs> over the past two years got about two hundred and fifty thousand in equity, equity. And he he's using the equity to, to purchase investment properties that are going to essentially generate more income for him. Now I will say with him he does drive um luxury cars as well, but he 
he kind of has his finances um secured to where he yeah. can about to, do that. I'm about to say he of, he needs to because he could be spreading himself a little too thin when the market dips, right? As long as he's covering right. his behind so that you know, yeah, he's he's pulling out the equity in that home and he's buying all these uh rental properties, and he's I'm sure he's buying these rental properties probably at a premium. But as long as he gets good renters in there that you know aren't going to become squatters, he should be fine. But you may run, <laughs> you may run into a risk where a guy or a girl who looks good on paper, right? They'll look really good on paper as a renter, but then mm-hmm. when the recession hits, a person that was making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, their pride is too big to go and work for a thirty or forty thousand dollar a year job, and they and they turn into squat. This happens. People who you think are really good money earners, when they lose their job Mm -hmm. in a recession, their pride hits them and they refuse to go work for just any other job and they'll squat. Right. They will squat. So just that's the only concern I got about that one guy. Is like you think that's you think that's gonna be the case, like with now? I don't think so because the lending practices are a little more stricter than they were in 07. No, I'm not worried about the I'm not worried about the buyers. Too much. I'm worried about the people who are renting from the buyers who won't have the rental income to cover the mortgage on the rental property. And they end up they'll end up, you know, defaulting. Now, a person who's got a job and it's their personal home, they will do what they need to do to uh, save their home. But someone who's renting and it's a rental property and Sooner or later, the person's going to be like, I'm not going to keep paying the mortgage on a rental property when this guy is over here squatting in my house and I still got to pay my mortgage in a recession. That's the thing that concerns me. Right. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing that concerns uh, me. Somebody in the comments before I, before I get off, somebody in the comments <laughs> has, had asked was house hacking. So house hacking basically is when the homeowners, they typically rent out their basement, they rent out spare rooms. Mm-hmm. I've seen homeowners put tiny houses in their backyard and rent it out. Yep. Um, it's, house hacking is when house when homeowners mm-hmm. are doing uh, creative things to generate income so that they don't have to pay their mortgage. Essentially, yep. the people who are renting out their spare room and basements and tiny houses in the backyard are paying their mortgage. Absolutely. It's it's when you take a conventional home loan, right? It's your home. It's the place you live in. It's not some investment property across town or whatever. It's the home you live in, but you find creative ways. You know, maybe you bought a duplex or a triplex or something like that. You live in one unit. You're renting out the other units. Or it's a, it is a single family home, but you run it like a boarding house. You've got, you know, you, you built out the basement in a way where a person can come in and come out, you know, through a particular door. And it's almost like a mini apartment down there. Or like the sister said, they buy a mini house and put it in the backyard or they convert a garage or something. That's you house hack. You're taking right. your and personal home. It's- yeah. It's like an uptick of that because rent has went up yes. significantly. Rent. People can't even afford it. That's why so many people are trying to buy mm-hmm. because rent is ridiculous. Yep. And it's going it's to keep as, going you know, up. A lot of my friends are renting out rooms. Yeah. It's going to keep going up. If, it's a you're the, for it. When you're at the point where you're renting, you're renting a room, not a whole, like, not like a studio apartment, like literally a room. It's, we're, we're going to, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Absolutely. 
Right. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm going to get in this chat and start Anytime. talking my Anytime. Thank you so much for coming up. I appreciate it. All right. We got two more people. Yeah, yeah. We're about an hour in. We got two more people. Someone comes up before I let you up because I'm going. The longest I'm going is about an hour and a half. But let me pull up uh, area code 310. Is it next? After that is 336. So just get yourself ready. Area code 310. You are live. Pocket watching with JT. How you doing? Hi, JT. This is Brooke, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for calling up. What do you think about uh, this topic? What's going well, on with the debt? JT, after listening to what you guys were just talking about, you make all of us self-employed people sound like scammers and hustlers <laughs> and like we don't pay our taxes. L- hey, and listen. Like we just I'm, over here with Louis I'm self-employed. Just, you know, I, I'm the, I, Louis Vuitton nails <laughs> I'm self-employed. If I'm talking about self-employed people, I'm talking about myself. And I'm not talking about all self-employed people. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. Let me me clear that up. Let me clear that up. I am self-employed, but I do not have a bunch of curses. Mm -hmm. I don't have a luxury car. I pay my taxes. Are you aware of other (laughs) self-employed people who do do those things? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I did my, they my exist. stupid self-tax today, which I hate doing. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm calling because now I didn't find out, I didn't become financially literate, I'd say, until my 40s, hey, unfortunately. Better late than now, never. I'm old school. They didn't. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I found out about that. You know, when you have an LLC, you have to pay that $800 every uh every year i found out about you have to do your statement of information you have to do you have to have everything in order Mm -hmm. i do have my reason for calling you is because i do have a very good credit score i have like a 780 credit score i have very good business credit um now like i said i didn't find out about financial literacy until my 40s so i didn't find out like you guys were just talking about you cannot get a house when you have a lot of write-offs so what I did was I got, you know, my QuickBooks. I do everything through there. I put everything mm-hmm. on one business card so I can see exactly what I'm spending. Perfect. Um, so the last five years I've owed every year, I can come in out the same and I just need to know why. I think I'm overspending on my, I have a jewelry business and okay. I think I'm overspending on, on my uh, supplies because every year I'm making the, like about two ten, two hundred and ten thousand dollars $210,000 a month and I'm only coming out with like seventy thousand after okay. expenses and it's not because it's going to me okay it's not be it's i it's literally all my supplies mm-hmm. um and just what i spend on the business okay so, well let's have a conversation about that okay let's have a conversation okay. about that so if you okay. think your biggest issue the 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 thing that's not giving you the profit margin that you want it sounds like it's your cost of goods sold it's your inventory is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Now, in your business, just like any other business, in order for you to get a better deal on your inventory, you have to have some kind of negotiating skill skills when you're dealing with your suppliers. Okay? Now, a supplier is going to reward a faithful retailer. Okay? How long have you been dealing with this supplier? At least 20 years. Oh, come on. I've been going to the same. All right. 
and 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 in well, in twenty years. So I use. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I use gold. So gold goes up and down. Yeah, I understand that. Gold, you, you know, gold because I make my jewelry. I say eighty percent of it I make. Some I buy, but most of it I make. Yeah, gold but if goes up and down, if gold goes up and down, that means you just adjust your prices. So it shouldn't be hurting your bottom line. If gold is going up, if the market rate for gold goes up, that means your prices go up. Right. When I go to Red Lobster and I take a look and see, okay, what is the market rate for fish? It doesn't mean that Red Lobster is taking an L. If the market rate for fish goes up, (laughs) that means JT has to pay more for my fish. Same thing with your business. If the Mm -hmm. market rate for gold is going up, that means your customers have to pay more. That's just what it is. So that should not be the issue. My issue is, or the question that I have for you and your business, is if you've been dealing with the same supplier for 20 years, that should have built some kind of relationship. And if you have that kind of relationship, you should be able to contact them and get some sort of discount or get some sort of better rate because you're not a fly-by-night, grand opening, grand closing type of business. They, you you have been supplying them with money and they have been supplying you with gold for 20 years. If you cannot go to someone that you've had a 20 year relationship with and negotiate a better deal, then you need to find a Mm -hmm. different relationship. Okay. All right. You, you, you built 20 years with this supplier. You should be able to go to them and say, listen. I need to get a better rate. What can we do for you to give me a better rate on my supplies? And I'm sure they'll have an answer. If that answer is absolutely nothing, tell them, thank you. I guess I got to find someone who can give me a better rate. You're not the only gold supplier in the world. Okay, I will definitely look into that. I, I should possibly be able to make that happen. Because I want to buy, I I still want to buy a house. You know, I mm-hmm. of course it's late for me to be buying, but I'm nah, it's to not make, too late. It's not too. Make, here, here's I'm here's my mindset. Like, here's my mindset when buying mm-hmm. a home. Okay, you do not want to have a mortgage in retirement. Okay, when you're in retirement, you don't want another twenty years left of a mortgage to deal with when you have a fixed income. Okay. You're, 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 right. How many years are you away from retirement? Mm, I don't know. I say 15 because I like what I do. So I don't mm-hmm. really ever see myself returning unless I just get sick or something. Okay. Like I can, I so can do what I do from anywhere. Then you're, if I traveled, you should be fine. Yeah. You, you should be fine. You just don't want to be, you know, 70 years old with a mortgage that's killing you. Right. But also no, understand that, you know, fine. When you're self-employed, right? Because that's that's what you are. You're self-employed because I'm assuming it's not a business where if you're not there, it still operates. No, I I have to be. You have to be there. So you are self-employed. What you need to do, you need to contact an African-American certified financial planner somewhere near you, okay? And one of the services, one of the things that we are taught to work with self-employed people is to help you develop a succession plan. How is this 
uh, business going to transition. Now, this business can transition to another member of your family, or maybe within this succession plan, we find a way as a part of your retirement plan, we sell the business. Okay. Because a lot of business, a lot of people who are self-employed, they just shut the business down. When they don't have a, a kid that wants to take it up or this, that, other, the business just shuts down. You have built up a right. business and a brand over 20 years. Even though you're technically self-employed, it's still a business and a brand that has relationship that has customers. You can broker all of that hard work. You can find a business broker. And that's why I'm saying work with a black CFP that I'm sure they'll be able to help you find someone or somebody, some entity that is willing to purchase your business from you, even if it's on an installment sale, so that you can take the payments of the installment sale of your business and have that as a part of your retirement income. Don't just shut it down. There's many ways that you can find to leverage this self-employed business that you created as a part of your retirement. Okay. Okay. And this is my last question and I, I won't bug you anymore. Every week on Monday, I pay myself first. Okay. Um, which, which is usually about $600 a week. So mm -hmm. I have a pretty good stash right now and I'm just trying to figure out what type of account I should put that in. Okay. So it makes money for me. All right. Well, listen, I if, have about, if, if this, Oh wow! That's that's. A, why do you have so much cash? Do, do you plan? Is this a part? No, it's of, not cash. It's in the bank. It's it's in a saving. Um, it's in a savings account. Well, to me, to, to me, it's cash. I understand. I understand. But to me, to me, it's still cash. We still consider that liquid assets. I'm not talking about you got it stuffed in your mattress. I'm just saying it's not invested in a security. You have it in cash. Um, you know, well, if that's you. Why I'm asking. Uh, okay. Now it's in a money market. Right. Isn't it okay? To so, me it's not good well, no, no, it's not good enough if this is money that you plan to use to build wealth. Then, no, it's not good enough. You only want enough cash on hand to do two things in general. There's always exceptions to the rule, but for right now, for this conversation in general, you only need cash on hand for two things number one, your emergency savings okay. fund. Okay, if you're a single income, you want it to be six months maybe eight to nine months if we dip into a recession, but you want it to be around six months, okay? The other reason why you would want to have that much cash on hand is if you have a, a short-term large purchase in plan, like a down payment for a home, or you're going to buy a car in cash because you don't want to have to uh, get a car note. Those are the reasons why you would have cash on hand. If you have more than your emergency savings fund and you don't have any uh, short term, so between one, three to four year uh, expense that that's coming up, like I said, a down payment on a home, buying a car, something like that. If you don't have any of that coming down the pipe, then you're overly invested in cash and you need to contact the African-American Certified Financial Planner in your area who can help develop <laughs> okay. not, who can help develop a investment portfolio that is going to help you meet your short and long time term investment goals. They can take a uh, you know, they can talk to you, get an understanding of what your 
uh, investment risk are, your risk tolerance, because certain people can't invest in certain things because it's just too risky for them. Other people, they don't care. So, you know, I can't advise you what you should be investing in because that would be investment advice. And I just don't have enough information from you to give you any investment advice. And we don't have a, you know, a planner client relationship. But I would say contact a black CFP in your area, sit down with them, ask them all the questions that you have. And I'm telling you, between that relationship that you build with that CFP, they will be able to help you create an investment plan, a retirement plan, an investing plan, all of that based on what your goals are for your life, which will include buying at home. All of those things, they'll take a look at everything and they will give you the action steps you need to take to achieve those goals. Okay. I think it's still there. All right. All right. So we got caller from 336. You're coming up next after 336. We've got 334. So caller from 336. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. You are on Pocket Watching with JT. How can I help you? Okay, so I'm in a worse situation. Uh, I need to know. Well, first of all, I'm I'm a WT earner. Okay. I'm trying to build my rent my rental. I'm sorry, real estate portfolio. Okay. Um, I have one property now. I'm renovating to get it rented out, and I'm hoping to buy two more properties this year. And that's kind of my long-term uh, idea. But the question is, I'm, I want to buy a luxury car. I'm trying to see when would be the best time to buy a luxury car. All right. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's take a couple of steps back before we get to that point. All right. Before, before we get to that point, okay. let's take a couple of steps back. All right. So you're a W-2 earner. All right. Um, yeah. About about in general, I don't need it down to the penny. About how much money do you make a year with the W two? Um, I, I made two forty, but on paper about one thirty. Okay, are you uh, contributing to your retirement plan? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So, are you maxing out? Uh, you're doing. I'm assuming the twenty thousand five hundred max on the four hundred one k plus whatever your employer is matching. I uh, yes. Okay. All right. Now, with this, how long have you been uh doing this real estate? Um I've been invest I, I used to wholesale. Okay. Right? I used to wholesale then um like before COVID. So I, I made some deals here and there and I, I wasn't big time or anything. Probably made ten, fifteen thousand. Then um mm -hmm. When COVID hit, uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm actually a nurse, so I'm, I'm a travel nurse, and the market boomed. Good money with that, so yes, with, absolutely great money, yep. Yes, yeah, so I was traveling, so mm -hmm. I couldn't, like, sustain the wholesaling business. I got you. So I still didn't have my LLC, so I'm just going to pretty much go in the rental property uh, going forward. So I'm just waiting for get my first, my rental property right now finished. I'm going to buy another one after that. Okay. So you just like you, immediately after that in the past, your experience in, uh, in real estate has really been a broker, right? In a sense, right? When you're wholesaling, you're kind of brokering. What you're doing is you're going to a distressed, uh, property owner. You are basically buying the contract to, 
uh, sell the home from the person, you're finding an investor or someone else, and then you're making the difference, right? If you go to a, a, a homeowner and exactly. say, I want to buy the right to buy your home for $50,000, you find someone who wants to buy it for, you know, $80,000, you're going to make that $30,000 difference. But in that sense, you're more brokering, you're not you know, you, you don't really own the asset for longer than probably a day or a couple of hours. Right. Um, so now you're in yeah. a situation where you are buying the property, you are holding the property, you are renovating the property and you are renting the property out. Is that correct? Yes. OK. All right. So you're making around after taxes, what, around 10,000 plus a month? Uh, after taxes, more like 12, 13. Yeah. Okay. 13 actually. So around 30, so $13,000 a month. So $13,000 is coming in. You know what the next question is, how much money is going out the door? Uh, my expenses are around 4,000 a month. Okay. So we're talking about $9,000 you have left at the end of the month. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So next question, what the hell are you doing with $9,000 at the end of the month? Where is that going? Well, um, I have about 50K put up in retirement well, um, with the renovation. So I pretty much I have majority of my money is invested. I have all, basically all my money is, is invested. So the market mm -hmm. is down on, on a down right now. I don't get to touch our money. So pretty much the 9000 extra. I've been making has been funding the renovation. Right. Okay. So, so the nine thousand dollars that you have as a buffer in your uh, in your monthly budget, that's going all towards the new rental property. Okay. But what do you have as an emergency savings fund? I'm not talking about the money you have in your retirement account. I'm talking about cash that you have on hand in case something crazy happens. How much do you have of that? Uh, I have about twelve k. Just put that aside. Okay. All right. So you have about you have about twelve thousand dollars, right? So that means you yeah. have what? Uh, about three months. You you got three months. Yeah, Are, three months. Do you have a spouse who also makes money, or is it just you? No, I'm bachelor. All right. Listen, bachelor, you halfway there. <laughs> you, you can't buy this car yet. You, you just can't. You can't buy the car just off this. You need to get your emergency savings fund up to six months. I feel more comfortable of it being more like eight months only because you also have this freaking rental property that a lot of money is being sunk into. OK, so you need to have probably around. Uh, I feel comfortable at eight months. You need to have eight months worth of cash on hand. OK. That's the first okay. step. And when you say on hand, do you mean like and like a blue chip, or you mean like no? Cash in the bank? I'm talking about cash in the bank, savings account, money okay. market account, not invested, not where you okay. wake up one day and it's thirty percent down. I'm talking about little to okay. no interest, but there's no risk in the bank. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, now that let's let's just assume you did that. 
You've got the seven to eight or whatever months worth of your emergency savings fund, which doesn't take you long because you only got a four thousand uh, dollar uh, expense every month. And you've got nine thousand dollars, double that at the end of every month. So it should take you, what, a couple of months and you can get that done as long as everything's not being sunk into this rental property. Right. So it shouldn't take you long. So I'm yeah. just going to assume, OK, you did that. Now, now here's the next step. If you have that in place. You've got how much do you have in retirement? I know you said that it's fluctuating. I get that. But you're fully funding your retirement plan at work every year, correct? Well, um, yes, yes. But like I, I'm a contract worker. So like I, I'm my, how can I say? I just started having, I only been able to contribute to it for like the last like six months, maybe. Mm -hmm. so you, have, you have to like work for them for a year first before you're even able to contribute okay i'm sorry but, um i, I kind of had for money and and like i have some money in crypto some money in tv ameritrade and, and a private account and uh i have about a 50k between that and about 10k through my biz, the um my job okay i think more like 12 now but yeah right. well here, here, here's, here's the most important question let me ask you this before we get any further down this road how much is this car not just like fifty thousand. I'm, I'm not. I'm not just eh, just like fifty. Okay, so it's it's fifty thousand now. If you, are are you gonna buy this fifty this fifty thousand dollar car in cash? Are you going to get a car note? What's your plan? Uh, car note. I think I'll probably put down twenty twenty thousand. I think my car will probably be around like five hundred. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take. I wouldn't do that. Here's the thing. You need to get this rental property done, and finished, renovated, and and have a renter in it, because the twenty thousand dollars that you're going to sink into this car, and then the debt that you're going to take on, with the interest on the rest of the balance, the other thirty thousand dollars, that all that needs to be going towards this rental property that you've already made a commitment with, and you haven't made one dollar on it yet okay you are putting yeah. you're putting the cart before the horse right you make good money yeah you have a good budget you don't have the greatest emergency savings fund but you'll get that up i have faith that you'll get that up but my issue is you've already made a personal commitment with this rental property that hasn't made you a dime yet you keep sinking money into it but you also want to buy a luxury car no sir Reward yourself with that car after you start positively cash flowing with this rental property. Who are you stunting for with this car when you still got the obligation to get this rental property up and going? You're trying to reward yourself and you haven't achieved it yet. You have achieved in your career. You have achieved in you know, having a de decent budget. You have achieved as far as your... Um, your retirement account, all of those things are great. If you would have said and rewarded yourself with the car with that before the rental property, I'd have been cool with it. But you set your, your, your luxury car buying timeline back by getting this rental property. Now you got to deal with this. Is there a note on this rental property? Or did you buy it outright? Uh, yeah. So, no, so it was actually my, my, um, my first house. Uh, I pretty much refinanced it. Mm -hmm. And got got some equity out, 
using that to to fund the renovation. So where um, where are you living right now? You got another house? Well, I'm I'm, I'm living there part time, but I'm living in Nashville too part time because like I work in Nashville. All right, and when you're in Nashville, I'm assuming you're renting. I I rent a room, yeah. Okay, so you rent. So okay, so there is a no. Yeah, listen, you got you got to get this house done first. That should be your first priority. After the emergency savings fund, we already talked about that. The the house and the renovation on the home and getting a steady renter in this home needs to be your priority before you buy this car. And when you do buy this car, you need to buy the car in cash. Don't take a note. You buy the car in cash. If you don't have the money, you don't dip into your emergency savings fund. You create another fund, a car buying fund. And if you really want this car, buy it in cash. If you can do that, then you're fine. If you can't buy the car in cash, you ain't ready for it yet. Okay. All right. Probably like that idea more. Yeah. All right. All right. But you, I mean, you on the road, you there. You maybe be, you know, maybe 24 months away. You're there, but don't don't buy this car when you've got to deal with this house that hasn't even brought you dollar one yet. Get to get a renter in this house, get it solidified, get it cash flowing, then buy the car, but I would say buy the car in cash, all right? I appreciate it. Kyle, one quick question before you get off. Go ahead. Um, say we do have a, have a recession. How much capital do you think I should have in the bank in case so I can kind of invest when the markets are at its lowest? Man, I, 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 there's too many variables. There's too many variables because the cash that you would need depends on the scale of the real estate investment that you're trying to get. You know, your the cash that I have saved up to take advantage of a weak real estate market is going to be different from the cash you should have saved up. You just started. You just started from converting your personal home into a rental property. So I would say eh, let's let's kind of get this done first. But honestly, subscribe to Orlando Miners page. Um, trust me, you can get a lot of good information from his page or just hit him up for a consultation and he'll be able to give you more guidance on what that's going to look like because you're not buying a a home, a conventional loan home like you did before, you're going to be buying it as an investor. And that's something you've never done before. So I I can't give you a straightforward answer on that because there's too many variables. Okay. Okay. I appreciate you. All right. You have a good one. All right, people. I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little tired. There's one more caller here. So caller from 334, you will be the last caller of the night. So caller from 334. Three, four, you are on live with Pocket Watching with JT. How you doing? I'm doing good. You doing JT? Yeah, I'm great, man. Thank you for calling up. How can I help you? Yeah, let me just start by saying, man, you changed my life. Uh, <laughs> how? How? Yeah. how did I do that? <laughs> let me let me start off. Um, Kevin Samuels let me know how much I value, and you tell me how to be valuable. So it's different. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm I'm uh, glad I played a so small me, role in your life, man. Thank you, thank you. Nah, it's a big big life changing. So I'm gonna give you. I understand that you're just giving advice. So mm-hmm. I'm 36. 36. Um, I have no debt. Credit score of uh, 785. Um, I have uh, 45 thousand dollars in the bank. Okay. And the problem is, I have a dead end job that I don't really like. Mm-hmm. 
trying to get a bit of one. I have a master's degree. Don't know why I can't get a job, but it's okay. Okay. So I'm wondering what I want to invest in real estate. And I just, I'm wondering if this will be a good time. Oh, not, not right now. I can tell you that right. This, this is a short call. Going yeah. into real estate yeah. at this moment is not the thing to do, especially if you have never done it before. So right now, no, yeah. because the market is absolutely ridiculous. But let's, I, I'm a little bit more interested in this dead end job and you have a master's degree. What did you get your master's degree in? Health administration. Okay. Health administration. That is a huge field. Why do you, uh, why are you at a, 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 a job that you feel is a dead end job when the health industry well, is so huge? You got all these baby boomers who are going to need medical services. I mean, you, I would assume with that master's degree, you should be at some executive in, level in administrative back. job. That's what I thought. I've applied. I sent out at least 20 to 30 resumes per week. Mm -hmm. I, I get nothing. I get nothing back. You know, it's sort of weird. Right. I'm looking to everything. So here's my question. Here's my follow up question. With that master's program, are you using the network that you should have with the master's program? And when I'm talking about the network, I'm talking about alumni. I'm talking about classmates. I'm talking about professors. Are you really shaking the trees on all of the relationships that you should have with that master's degree? I think that's where I fell short, you know, because I did my online, my master's in online. I and, listen, uh, I don't I care. I even even if it was online, if it's online, the only thing that means is you don't have a tight relationship with your classmates because, you know, obviously I wasn't in the yeah. same room. OK, I understand that. But what you still have at your uh, disposal is going to be alumni and professors. Have you gone on the LinkedIn and looked up all the alumni from that program that are in your industry? Because you can filter oh, within LinkedIn. Yeah, you can go. You can go into LinkedIn <laughs> and you can search for people within a, a particular industry that went to a particular yeah. school. Yep. Okay. Well, I didn't go that far, so that's a good idea. I gotta hit on there. There, right now, the only thing that's saving me is that I'm debt free. The only thing that um, I got on me, I don't own nothing. I don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, you, so I mean, from that, from that standpoint, I mean, you're 36. You got a great credit score. You got a good amount of money of cash saved up, and you, and you said you don't have any debt, and you've got a master's degree, right? With all of those things, yeah. the only thing that I would also say is you need to be willing to move. I feel like you might be a little yeah. rooted in whatever city or town you're in, right? You're, you're not a tree. You don't have to be born and die in the same place. You need to maybe expand your search beyond a 25-mile radius of where you were born. Have you considered that? Yeah, yeah I wasn't born here in this country, just to make it clear. Because that's the thing, because a lot of people miss out on opportunities because the opportunity is not within a 20 five minute or hour drive of where they were born, right? You need to make sure. Yeah. So a couple of things I, I want to make sure that you do, because you got no debt. You're young, you're strong. You've got, you know, a, a, a master's degree in an industry that is only growing. 
The only thing that I think you need to do more of is shape the tree of your alumni association of your uh, master's degree program because networking is going to be huge in getting your foot in the door. You still have to be able to do the work, but networking will get yeah. your foot in the door. You need to uh, uh, attend. Like you need to make sure are you know you are a due paying member of your alumni association, even if they only meet online right now. I would be sending them checks, yeah. right? I'm I'm telling you, this, as soon as I graduated, I started getting emails and letters and stuff like that. Hey, this yeah, is all that you you need to be well known in that alumni association. You need to pay your dues. You need to show up to the events, even if the event is on Zoom. They need to know who you are and they need to know what you're looking for. That way they can connect you with the resources that are beyond your reach right now. So you need to that's that's number one. You need to do that and you need to make sure that you are open to finding uh, employment opportunities within your field that may be on the other side of the country. If that if you commit yourself to that you will be fine. But as far as your initial question about getting into real estate right now, no, sir. You just spent a lot of time and a lot of effort to get a master's degree in health administration. Don't find a detour. Don't find something else to do that isn't related to that right now, okay? You spent a lot of capital, right? A lot of energy, a lot of time, and a lot of capital towards achieving this master's degree in this program that's not uh ethnic studies right you didn't de- you didn't get a master's <laughs> degree in ethnic studies you got a master's degree in a field that can actually make you some money so do not give up on it so quickly expand your 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 sphere of influence get out there be a big time supporter and active member of your alumni association and I'm telling you you will find the success in your career that you're looking for. Real estate is just going to be a distraction for you. You're going to lose the $45,000 that you got saved up, and then you'll be starting from zero. Don't do it. No, not yeah. yet. Maybe maybe in three or four years, but not, not right now. Don't do it. Okay? Okay. All yeah. right, man. One more thing, man. Uh, Go ahead. One last thing. You make HBCU proud, man, because I'm an HBCU <laughs> graduate myself. So uh, that's proud, what's man. up. <laughs> and I, I love how you rep your, your Howard. I'm not from Howard, but you know HBCU. All the way, man. There's something special about this, man. We got to do it, man. We got the education and the enthusiasm, the energy that you get from an HBCU cannot be replicated any other place. Period. Yeah. Period. It's not going to be I replicated any other place where you can be yourself. Right. Yeah. So you feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Which helps you to grow. You know, you're not afraid yeah. to be yourself. Absolutely. So I again I definitely gonna take that Thank you, thank you, man. I I appreciate it, man. Do you think I, I I truly believe this brother, you know, about three or four years he's gonna be exactly where he needs to be, but don't don't jump into real estate <laughs> too quick. Right. Make sure that you are taking advantage of all the time and energy that you uh, put into in the career that you went to school for. Right. Unless you went to school for something that's silly, that's not going to make you any money. Then, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. But, you know, he's just in a situation right now that his, uh, you know, the, the job opportunities aren't falling in his lap. 
right? They're not coming quick. But the same energy it took to get that master's degree, and I know it's hard work, you got to convert that energy into shaking the trees and finding the job opportunities that make sense for you. All right, people, I, you know, I enjoyed that one. It was a good, it was a good uh, live. You know, it wasn't bad at all. Thank you, people. I appreciate it. The phone lines are closed. We're going to wrap this thing up. Do your brother a favor. Make sure you hit the like button. Share this content. If you're not subscribed already, what the hell are you doing? We're, we're trying to make this thing grow. And listen, people, I'm telling you, I am working on something special for all the pocket watchers. I'm trying to add value into your lives. I am trying to bring to you a curriculum that is going to help you get out of debt. I love it when you watch my shows and you get the little nuggets and you call in, but I would love for you to have a workbook. I would love for you to have a study material. I would love for you to have something that is that you can use when you're not on YouTube something that you can use, you can sit down with your husband, your wife, whoever, and you can work and take a look and figure out this is what we're going to do to get out of debt. I'm extremely close to being able to bring you guys a program like that at no cost to you. And you know, just stay tuned. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. So when I drop that on you, you will be well aware of what's going on. So, all right, Pocket Watchers, thank you. I appreciate it. Y'all have a great weekend. Y'all should be seeing me Sunday night. All right, I'm out of here.